0: This week on Dig Me Out.
1: Are we going to revisit the uh, Olivia Newton-John comeback record, Back With a Heart, from 1998? We, we could.
0: Tim and Jay review, Together Alone, by Crowded House. I don't pretend to know what you want When you come around and spend my talk Time and again, time and again
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Menichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 220, 220 of our fifth season, and lo and behold, we have a requested review.
0: Requested, requested review. review. Boom.
2: And this is not just any requested review, Jay. This is kicking off uh, our month of talking about Australia and the musical impact that Australian bands made in the 1990s. I think most people are familiar with um, one or two in the United States that made significant impacts. It'd probably be your first one to come to mind would be Silverchair. That's the obvious one. Um, but there were bands before Silverchair that made an impact on the U.S. music scene, and um, we're going to talk about one of those bands that they put on an album in the 90s, but they're actually more associated, I think, with the 1980s, and that's Crowded House. We're going to be talking about their 1993 album. Well, that's actually debatable, but uh, 19- yeah, we're saying 1993 album, because that's when it was released in Australia. Uh, Together Alone, and that was suggested by Kim Bowie, who has suggested many albums for us, uh, including our, I think, Unanimous, or maybe not Unanimous, but uh, an album that we really enjoyed from two seasons ago, uh, Spider Bait.
1: Oh, yeah. I yeah. about that one. Yep. Oh, it's been a while, right?
2: It's, it was the yeah. 2013
1: season, I believe. Are we going to revisit the uh, Olivia Newton-John comeback record? back with a heart from 1998 we
2: we could i'll tell you that our our second suggestion for this month has already been taken by a familiar uh gentleman named gavin reed and we'll be getting to that after our roundtable discussion on australian bands for this one we're going to be focusing on crowded house jay of course you're familiar with crowded house correct
1: of course of course
2: and you're familiar with the man known as Neil Finn, the lead yes. singer, sure have you checked out his solo stuff?
1: uh I have a little bit here and there i don't I can't name a record or a particular time, but this is a band and he's an artist that I've taken interest in for spans of time and then just mm-hmm. for whatever reason uh forgot about so right. yeah, I've listened
2: to some of it. Uh, The one solo album that I know of is Try Whistling This. Uh, Mm -hmm. That came out in the, I think, the late 90s, after Crowded House had broken up. Okay. We'll talk about that in the history of the band.
0: History of the band.
2: So I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I'll I'll just say that Crowded House uh, formed in Melbourne, Australia in 1985, uh, Neil Finn is actually from New Zealand by the way. What? Yes. Son of a... So the Wait founding a yeah. This isn't New Zealand month. No, but the the majority of the band is Australian. Okay. How's that? All
1: right. You get a pass.
2: So As you Okay. The founding members were Neil Finn, as I mentioned. He's a vocalist, guitarist, and primary songwriter. And then Australians, Paul Hester on drums and Nick Seymour on bass. They would later add Tim Finn, Neil's brother. And then some other band members after the band broke up and then reunited were Mark Hart and Matt Sherrod. Uh, Sherrod on drums. He'd formerly drummed for Beck. Um, and they were both American, or they are both are American, um... So there's been a few lineup changes, um, I think. So the first Crowded House album, self-titled, came out in 1986. You probably know that from, I think there were two monster singles off of that, which would be Don't Dream It's Over and Something So Strong, are the two singles. Indeed. Uh, Then Temple of the Low Men came out in 1988, Woodface in 1991, and Together Alone in 1993. That's the Australian release date. I believe that the American release date might be... Like 1994, like this, it's 93 October in Australia and it might be like January 94 in the U.S. I'm not exactly sure. And then they broke up in, I think it was 96. Just double check my time frames here. Yes, 1996, the band broke up. That's when they, uh, Neil started, Neil Finn started putting out solo records, um, and playing under a different name, um, as far as a band and he there was the Finn brothers that he did just with Tim. So they were working on solo uh or Neil Finn was working on solo material and um in March of 2005 the drummer Paul Hester committed suicide and that sort of spurred Neil Finn to get back together with um some of the folks that he had played with specifically Nick Seymour um, to reform Crowded House. Uh, that's when they found Hart and Sherrod to fill in on, um, I guess, bass and drums, or, or second guitar and drums, excuse me. Um, and they released two albums so far since reuniting, Time on Earth in 2007 and Intriger in 2010. So that is the history, very brief history. Um, you can find tons of information about this band. There's been multiple books written about Crowded House. So, feel free to check one of those books out. If you'd like to suggest an album for us to review, head on over to our request review page, digmeoutpodcast.com. So, in terms of uh, Facebook feedback, this is where the debate over the release year comes in. Uh, Joe Royland said... um, my first comment is that even though wiki lists this as october 93 i'm pretty certain this album was not released in the u.s until january 94 i was working in a record store at the time and we definitely did not get that album in until then joe you have an amazing memory if you can remember (laughs) when crowded houses together alone arrived at the record store because that is uh that's That's pretty awesome that's pretty special he also said that Entertainment Weekly reviewed it in January of 1994. Again, did you go to the library and go to the bibliography and pull out some microfiche? Because that's 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 pre-internet. How did you know that? Some microfiche. You get some microfiche out? What the hell? All right, anyway. He says, this is one of my favorite releases by the band. I was sad to see the departure of Tim Finn as he made a fine edition on Woodface, but I had a feeling his tenure would be short-lived. I really liked the later production of Youth... Uh, for those who don't know, youth uh, member of Killing Joke, uh, who gave the album much deeper, fuller sound. Many of my favorite tunes by this band are on this album, including "Locked Out," "Nails in My Feet," "Distant Sun," and especially "Private Universe." And he mentions that the chorus lyric of "Distant Sun" uh, is a would be used by a Neil, F- Neil Finn for a solo project. Um, that said, I really love this whole thing, though, and I feel. This was the last truly great album by the band. I've bought all the albums and most of the side and solo Finn projects since, but not quite. But none quite match up to this record or the ones that preceded it. So Joe is a super fan, I guess you'd say, of Neil Finn. He's got all the solo stuff and all the, uh, all the Crowded House albums. So good on you, Joe. So Jay, let's talk about this record. Let's talk about Together Alone, released late 93 early 94 depending on what continent you were on at the time and let's talk about this let's talk about what worked what didn't work i'm gonna start with you last week i started this week you're starting jay tell me what worked for you on together alone uh well a lot i guess it
1: all starts with the songwriting this is you know compared to i feel like some stuff that we've done recently this is like you know next level shit <laughs> this is a master class in terms of songwriting you're they're obviously grounded in um you know a beatles influence and a sort of um beatles i guess school of, of songwriting um i think what's interesting is that in the beatles influences i hear i hear like both lennon and mccartney but separate you know, like, so My mm-hmm. Command sounds like a Lennon song, where something like Walking on the Spot sounds like a McCartney song.
0: Old times we slip, I slither down the dark hole. Fingers point from old windows, an eerie shadow falls. Walking on the spot, to show that I'm alive every bone in my body From side to side Will we be in our minds When the dawn breaks Can we look the milkman in the eye The world is somehow different You have all been changed Before my parents
1: And I don't mean sounds like in terms of, you know, ripping off. It's just, um, I think there's, his voice has that range where he can sound like either of them. I think he has the ability to, you know, write from a a similar place and use a similar um, technique. So, you know, I think the melodies here are very sophisticated. A lot of great harmonies um, to really embellish, um, you know, choruses and, to take the song to, you know, really interesting places. You know, nothing overly complex. It's pretty straightforward, just really well executed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a song, a band that actually I, I, I was surprised that I kept thinking of was the, uh, the band Jellyfish, and they're very similar in their pop abilities. Whereas mm-hmm. Jellyfish will, you know, kind of will turn into a prog band um, at some point in the song um crowded house obviously does not do that but when they're both just being you know a, a power pop or just pop oriented um rock band they they interpret things in a very similar way and i think that's goes back to the beatles influence so yeah uh, that uh, above and beyond i mean there's a lot of other good things we can get into here but the one that really stands out to me is uh songwriting and i have you know the majority of the songs on this album highlighted is is liking them, and I think I would like them regardless of how they were produced. You know, I, I could see Neil Finn playing these on acoustic guitar or on piano, and
2: them being just as good as they are on the record. Gotcha. I sort of have a a, a love like relationship with Neil Finn. There are there are a few songs of his that I really really love. Most of them I like. I don't love mm-hmm. them. Hmm. There's, there's a, I don't know. That, I don't know if there's a lack of connection that I have with him. But uh, this record, I really connected with a lot of these songs more so. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe I'm thinking of like his that solo record, Charlie "Whistling This." I, I, do like it a lot. Yeah. But I don't find myself going back to it very often.
1: I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, that's why when you said his solo work, I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar with it, but it, it hasn't stuck with me. When I listened right. to it, I thought, oh, this is nice. Uh but it didn't, you know, it, it didn't leave an impression and it didn't make me go back whereas I'm on the same page. This stuff is connecting in a whole different way that his solo stuff and other crowded house stuff
2: didn't and I think I think the the thing that stops me from totally loving him is that he a, a lot of what he does is so perfect in terms of the sound and his voice and everything that I kind of feel it's a little, I don't know, it's a little cold. Whereas yeah. on this record, because there's a lot of chances taken with a lot of the production, there are a mm-hmm. lot of left field decisions that aren't heard on other Credit House albums or on his solo stuff it really allows you to like get into these songs this is almost a headphone record there's so many like weird things that are buried in various tracks on a a good example is on black and white boy there's this guitar that's going on there's just two really cool guitar parts i think well i think one of them is a guitar part one is like this like two note just like darn darn or three note darn 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 like It's, like, clean, but it's not a clean guitar. It's, like, it's affected in some way, but I'm not sure what the effect is. And then there's, in the background, Buried Deep is, like, this phased guitar that's going through the song. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, you have to really, like, listen for it, and it kind of pops in and out at certain times during the song. And I really like the fact that youth, I'm assuming pushed a little bit of weirdness on to Neil Finn because i think that that's what really he needs His songs are mid-tempo to slow. Yeah. I think there's really only one song that on this record that's not you would in my command would be the only one, which is my favorite song on the record. I feel like that production of youth really helps push a lot of these songs that could get very sort of dry and um sort of likable but not lovable into a much more interesting space. Um whether it's the adding of addition of weird percussion on a lot of these songs, towards especially towards the end, there's some like uh, extra singers on some of the songs, and it's just there's a lot of really cool things to dig into as you're moving along through the record. I totally agree.
1: I, I went back and listened to the uh, the two hits off the uh, first record, and the songwriting's there. The difference is the production. Again, there's you know nothing wrong with this those those earlier songs, but you right they don't there's so, he, he's so perfect and then when the production is so perfect and it the least bit like a synthetic you know using too much reverb or just a you know a really glassy sounding production or even like synths or you know keyboards that don't have soul to them or grit to them he comes off sounding you know a little plastic um mm-hmm. or it's a little too safe Where, yeah you're right this album has got a really interesting production there's some there's grit to it um in interesting ways you know there's um still organicness about it there's you know a little bit of distortion here and there but you know it's not overboard there's also a, just a drive to these songs like yeah you're right they're all mid-tempo but they have a there's a push to them. You know, you don't ever feel like they're like wandering or lost or dragging. You know, they're always, they feel immediate, even though the tempos aren't, you know, fast. Well, I think one of these, the heroes of this record outside of the production, which you mentioned, is the bass playing, the bass parts. I had never paid attention to, you know, the bass parts on a Crowded House record before. And I, I they really stood out to me as I dug into this record as being, what makes this all possible? Because the bass is, it it is propulsive. It is, um, melodic. It, it's a little, I don't want to say busy, but it's active. And what that allows to happen is all the other instruments are able to come and go.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and they can be strange tones and they can be in the distance and layered and, they can, there's so much flexibility with what you can do with those other instruments when the bass is so full and so Mm. melodic that it's really just, when you break it down, it's just really a lot of these songs, Neil Finn singing to the bass, yeah, and everything else can just kind of float in and out. And some of the parts are like so simple, like on the other instruments, you know, it'll be like a little accordion part or a little keyboard part. It's like literally like half a note you know you know it's just like rrr, rrr, you know it's just like these sounds that come in and out but they all build together into this really lush landscape and it's the only way that you can pull that off is by having that baseline holding it all down mm-hmm. um so I, I have it noted in a lot of the songs on this record is really being the hero and the glue that holds all of this together
2: yeah and a good example of what you're talking about is the third track nails in my feet Mm-hmm. The bass is doing almost a counter melody to the vocal oh. it's and it's not obtrusive. You know, it's not a guy being showy. It's just, he's providing this alternate melody to the song that is complementing the vocal as opposed to competing with it. Oh. Um, and yeah, that's a great observation in terms of how much Nick Seymour adds to the record. Because this isn't a band that's going to get loud They're not going to have big distorted guitars So the bass is able to occupy a certain space mm-hmm. um, On the record I woke
0: up the house Stumbled insideways, The lights went on And everybody screamed surprise The savage review It left me gasping But it warms my heart to see that you can do it too Total surrender
2: mentioned I'll go back to the the beatles and the the, the the lennon and mccartney sort of stuff um and i mentioned that in my command is my favorite song on the record i think be, that's probably because it sounds like later era john lennon yeah or or lennon solo stuff i mean it's so ragged in his in his voice but he's able to maintain you know he's never he never loses it or anything but he's got that really aggressive on top of the beat you know vocal that's going on and just sounds like it could have been you know easily a lennon song from like the white album or or even one of his solo albums or something like that i mean it's just got that drive and that energy i would love to have heard neil finn like i would love to hear neil finn play with the fire that sometimes elvis costello still has to be able Mm. to find that like grit and that energy you know, Elvis Costello will go make a Burke Backrack album, but then he'll return with an album where he's just like blazing through twelve songs and he's yeah. got that fire that he had with the attractions in the early years. And I I that's the one thing I'm always like sort of hoping that Neil Finn will do is just like just get an awesome three piece together and just rip it up and just, you know, write some really aggressive not punk tunes, but just Stuff that's got more edge to it, and you get it in bits and pieces from him, but never in a whole album.
1: Yeah, in this song, he lets his voice, or he pushes his voice, probably more than he does on the rest of the record, either, which is nice to hear. You know, he does a pretty damn good melancholy mid-tempo song. Yeah, (laughs) um, I I think over the years of doing the show, we've we've uh, probably been critical of more bands than we've praised that that try for that format because it's very difficult to do and most people aren't mm-hmm. talented enough to pull it off you know they just the result is boring it's anything but on this record so you know when he goes like Distant Sun is a good example mm-hmm. um, actually that one kind of it starts off it almost has like a country feel to it and that first verse I was like wow this sounds like a Jeff Tweedy kind of melody and that that verse the, the vocal um, the chorus doesn't but that that verse part does. It just made me think of, of that band. And it was kind of cool to hear them do a, you know, a mid tempo, almost country-ish kind of tune. Um, it's got a, I think Rickenbackers in the chorus, maybe.
2: It, it sounds like it, cause it, it reminded me of, you know, it's got that, you know, like you said, that picked Rickenbacker. It almost sounds like a, a bird's song as played by the Jayhawks or something like that
1: and then uh, there's something like you know private universe which is just really interesting it's kind of a simmering dark moody tune really interesting percussion through the whole thing it kind of turns into the whole end of it just turns into this jam i guess uh, with the percussion just kind of taking over and i just love that song and it's just to pull something like that off you, you just you got to have immense talent and it comes through and works really well That was that was one where there's a line where he says they talk to me, birds talk to me, and he like kind of breaks his melody, and he goes into almost like a just just for a moment he just kind of speaks the line. And I just love that. It just shows such a confidence in your mm-hmm. your ability, and just it kind of made it human for a moment. You know, like when he when he's able to do that. I think back to your original point about him being so perfect is in a moment like that where he kind of you know throws the melody out and just kind of speaks the line it just reminds you know it kind of shows that he's not a robot <laughs> you know what i mean uh it just kind of adds to the whole thing so i don't know there's just tons of ton- really cool little moments on this record
2: well i think the thing that i noticed in that same vein is how unconventional his songwriting is even though it sounds very conventional you know, mm. a traditional song would be a, an A, B, A, B format, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Or maybe you'd have a verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus. He will do some weird things where he'll do like, you know, you expect the verse to go like four lines, four measures. Mm. And then it would go to a chorus that, or then it would go to a pre-chorus and then a chorus. He'll do things where like he'll do two chords and then change to a completely different, I don't want to say key, but like he's he like the the verses change very quickly in in terms of you know distant sun is an example there's a lot of changes to that song in in where you're you think that the chorus or the verse is going to go and he very subtly changes the rhyme patterns that he uses um he doesn't always rhyme things lines where you expect them to sometimes he does I, I, and i've Tried to do a little more analyzing of, of rhyming and songs and stuff like that, but there are patterns where you go, you know, you you rhyme like the second and fourth line, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the, but he'll do things where he rhymes like the internal, like the second and the third, and then the first and the fourth don't rhyme with anything. Or he'll mm-hmm. he, there's a lot of like odd things that I think lesser songwriters, if they were just screwing around, they wouldn't pull them off. But he's got the ability to craft these songs with these band with his band that are so well put together and so well produced that you can get away with a lot of these weird choices and make them sound poppy and totally appropriate I don't know how you know he does that exactly but he does and it's pretty amazing um, that he's able to do it in a pop format
1: yeah absolutely I mean that gets to the the original point I had about the record. He doesn't weigh though that it's not like, um, like with the jellyfish as a comparison, Mm -hmm. you know. Obviously, when they take chances, it's like, you know, on a megaphone and announcing it to the world, like it's obvious. Whereas this is a lot more subtle, and where the, you know, the uniqueness is and where they, where he does things are just out of the ordinary, but somehow it all feels really familiar and, Mm -hmm. um, and works really well. What did you
2: think of um, Locked Out? That's got the... It's like the up-tempo one. Yeah, it's the most up-tempo. Um, I did like that one. Not as much as some of the other... Like, in my command, in terms of the up-tempo. Um, yeah. I didn't feel it was quite as interesting in terms of the vocal. Um, it's, I mean, it's a good vocal, but it's not quite as, I guess... Dramatically different in terms of what the changes that are made throughout the song, mm-hmm. but I like the energy, and they subtly introduce that like bongo part, is okay, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say it's like the most successful track on the record, and I tend to always approve like uh, uh, appreciate the up tempo stuff more, yeah. And I think on this record, I appreciate uh, although I, I like I mentioned in my commands, my favorite song. I think overall I appreciate more of the mid-tempo to slower stuff just because he's so good at crafting it and there's so many people who are, aren't good at crafting it.
1: Yeah, I um, wanted to dislike that song and first couple of listens, you know, based on the intro, I would always, you know, go into it like a, a little groany
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I end up liking it a lot <laughs> just yeah. because they, they so convincingly sell it, you know, there's just so much energy in it and it, it starts off a little, I guess, predictable, but then by the time you get into the song, it's there's enough going on there that makes it compelling. So I just thought I found that interesting, even for my, my own journey. I wanted to see if you had the same initial reaction to it, and then if you came around on it or not. What I didn't come around on is the last two tracks. Oh, really? I think, yeah, I think Catherine uh. Wheels is an okay song. Um, I would have been happy with the album to end there. I'm a little lost on the last two. You mean skin Skin feeling with the the loop Yeah, it feels a little like, I don't know, like that Stone Roses album we reviewed or like um, Primal Scream or something. And then Mm -hmm. Together Alone, is it almost goes off the rails with the experimentation.
2: So Um, yeah, on on Together Alone, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this exactly right. So I, for, I please I apologize if I mispronounce, but um, on that track, it is um, a New Zealand Maori choir. It's kay. spelled M A O R I, and there's a little like accent over the A, so I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. And then there are what are called log drummers, which I'm assuming it, is drumming on a log. Goodness. They're part of the Waka Hawaii Cultural Group Choir, um, and they also actually provide the backing vocals on two other songs, which are in *In My Command* and *Catherine Wheels*. I I don't know. I I dug <laughs> together skin feeling. I understand. It's 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 kind of a little bit generic in terms of the sound. Like you said, Stone Roses or that electronic album or something like that. It just doesn't it doesn't mesh with the rest of the record. Yep. with it being more organic and this having that loop drum beat but together alone was pretty cool just i think that's like a cool album closer
1: okay i, I think i could have dealt with it if it would have been maybe take skin feeling out and, and end on that it just it felt like the the last three songs are probably for me the among the weaker weaker mm-hmm. of the album yeah um it was a little disappointing and i guess if i had one criticism is that You know, as I go through my notes here, I have every song bolded, meaning I liked it a lot, except for the last three. Gotcha. (laughs) So it was clear, like, to me that the record just really, it peaks for me uh, with um, Private Universe. And then it goes to a nice, you know, resolve through Distant Sun. And then from that Mm -hmm. point on, it's just, it feels like leftover songs.
2: Well, you kind of moved into the... um worthy album better ep decent single section there so why don't we go into that so would Oops. you say that you're yeah would you say that you're at a worthy album then would you take the first 10 songs oh hell yeah i mean okay. i would
1: take i'm taking them all i'm just saying that get greedy the, well with the quality of the first 10 it really it makes it tough you know i think the last 3 if a lot of other bands put those on their records i would think they're amazing but because they're on this record and the first 10 are just so so good
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: you know there's a little there's a bit of a curve there so yeah I'm in a full record I, I I was familiar I have the greatest hits so I was familiar with some of these songs um going in and I had listened to some like I said um, some of the other like uh, woodface and the debut and some Neil Finn stuff over the years and I just was blown away how good this was really really enjoyed it
2: Yeah, and it didn't make a dent really in the United States. So don't be surprised that we didn't hear it back in 93 slash 94. Yeah. I'm With You. Um, I think this is a worthy album. I think that I I might swap out a song or two differently than yours. I could lose um, Skin Feeling Like You, maybe Locked Out. I'd swap that with Together Alone. I might rearrange the album a little bit. To um, change the flow, but I, I think overall, See that? this is just another example of, you know, what a stellar songwriter Neil Finn is, and I feel like I feel like he's in occupies the same space as like John Bryan in terms that he doesn't really get the like respect that he deserves as mm-hmm. being like such a good songwriter and such a good craftsman of songs, and just having this like perfection that's still human is the best way I could put it. Mm-hmm. Like he's not—he's not a robot, although he appears to be because everything he does seems to be perfect. <laughs> I
1: am not a robot.
2: Yeah, I, and I mean the jellyfish to... comparison is—is—is is, is good. This is sort of like the less uh, it's, proggy jellyfish.
1: It's like if uh, which I don't understand how this hasn't ever happened, but if Andy Sturmer did a solo record with John Bryan producing, you know, like yeah, stripped out all the the proggy elements and just stuck with the pop format and some interesting production you know you could could end up with a record
2: like this speaking of John Bryan just going off on a little tangent here if you, ha- if you haven't seen it yet I would suggest watching there's a HD TV show um, on the audience channel called Off Camera with Sam Jones and he does an hour long unedited like there's no breaks and there's no like they don't cut to any footage or anything. It's just one hour, two guys in a room talking, and he interviewed John Bryan for an hour, and it's fascinating. Like I learned <laughs> so much about John Bryan in that hour that I've been wondering about for like ten years. So uh, it's I'm sure you can probably find it online somewhere, um, but it's from I think that's from like the 2013 or 14 season because he just kicked off the new season with um, interviewing Will Ferrell, which was pretty funny. Uh, but the John Bryan one is especially. Interesting. So everybody should check that down. But so that's two worthy albums for Together Alone by Credit House. We need to thank Kim Bowie for suggesting this one, kicking off Australia Month here on Dig Me Out Podcast. If you would like to suggest an album for us to review, please head on over to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com and request an album for us to review. Also... If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave some positive feedback over on iTunes. So, coming up soon, we're going to be doing a roundtable and then another review, and then we might be able to squeeze in an interview with someone relevant to Australian music. We didn't get to do that with the Britpop month. We're going to get to that eventually, but we got an opportunity to review, to talk to, you know, John Davis' Superdrag, so we're going to pass that up and Lisa Memory, who just plays South by Southwest. So,. There you go. Did they? Yeah, they did. Jay, oh, you're, you're in Austin. <laughs> Failure played. Hum played. Lisa memory. I
1: know. I know. I don't have anybody to go to shows with, man. If it was a normal show, I'd go. But all these Southwest, South by Southwest shows are like RSVP, and you have to. You may not get in, so I'm not going to go staying outside for three hours by myself and then not get into a show. Right. I'm 40. I'm not 20 anymore.
2: I hear you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> My legs cramp up if I stand outside too long. I need to sit down. Exactly. I, need a, I, need a, I need a mobile chair. I need one of those chairs that you can fold up and strap over your back. Exactly. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're out. We got to go to bed. We're old. So uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out.
0: Somewhere, it's a